I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Welcome to Supernatural Circumstances, the podcast where we take you down the rabbit hole into the fantastic world of the strange, the paranormal, and the unknown. I'm Morgan Knutson. And I'm Mike Brown. It's time to dim the lights and settle in. Come along with us on this week's adventure. And uh, we have our friend W.T. Watson joining us again. We do. And yeah. I am expecting some answers out of him. <laughs> oh. Because I have an experience that I want to have his take on. And I'm really excited to talk to him because we're talking about really weird anomalous fog and mm -hmm. the stories around it. And it's really odd. It's bizarre. Yeah, there's a lot of fog stories that he came up with uh, and told in his book, Mysteries in the Mist, Mist, Fog and Clouds and the Paranormal. And, you know, I mean, coming from Nova Scotia, I, I guess we'll get into it when uh, we talk to Travis, but I personally have a lot of experience with fog having grown up on that coast and it is an eerie thing and it's there's always sort of strange feelings within fog especially when you're out at sea i mean i've been uh in the atlantic ocean where you're so surrounded and you're so socked in by fog that you can't see 10 feet in front of you so you're just sort of in this weird little pocket in a boat with your family or your friends, and uh, that's it. That's the only thing that really seems to exist at that moment. It's very strange. Well, and it's so creepy to be, like you were saying, being out on a boat, because mm -hmm. you don't, you're relying on navigational skills, and you're relying on your vision, you're relying on the stars, you're relying, you know, on so many different aspects, and it's, when you're out at sea specifically. But this, to me, even goes back further than the sailing vessels. I mean, mm -hmm. there are stories right back in First Nations lore yep. and things like mm -hmm. that about creatures in the fog. And it, no matter where you go in the world, there's stories that exist about the dangers of, of things lurking and hunting in the fog. And we know that there are predators, like identifiable animals that are hunt in the fog as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's creepy, but it's our Halloween episode, so it has to be creepy. Well, not only is it our Halloween episode, but it's our second anniversary. It's kind of funny how uh, all the important anniversaries for me uh, kind of fall around Halloween. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. So, Dark Poutine's sixth anniversary is Amazing. Th this, uh, this year. Supernatural Circumstances second anniversary and i was adopted a uh, 54 years ago on halloween that's incredible yeah <laughs> it, it's meaningful and i mean i feel like i feel like there should be a song like we should have a there should be a happy anniversary song but happy halloween is great too sure. i'm just i'm just yeah it's it's so cool and i mean halloween's always definitely been one of my favorite holidays i mean it's i'm super theatrical anyway so i love I love the theater aspect of it. And then the the mm. lore behind it is so cool. So happy Halloween to everybody that's joining us. The veil is apparently the thinnest on Halloween between this world and the next. So they say. I think the veil is pretty thin on a regular basis. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to this show at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, let's get into our chat with Travis. I'm excited. Let's do this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. So here we are. I am so glad to be having this conversation today because <laughs> we have we have questions. <laughs> oh boy, do we ever. <laughs> we have so many questions. So thank you so much for coming and and helping to sort this topic out because it is so strange and so bizarre. So welcome. Uh, thank you. Um, it's always a pleasure to, to come back and talk with you guys. I always have a great time because we get down some rabbit holes. Yeah. So we're talking about your book, Mysteries in the Mist, Mist, Fog, and Clouds in the Paranormal. And you mentioned uh, before we started recording that this is actually an older book, but it's your favorite one. So let's talk about that. So, yeah, um, if I remember correctly, Mysteries is published in 2021. It might have been early 2022, but um, it's my second book. And I now have Canadian Monsters and Mysteries in Sasquatch Canada. And I'll have another one here in the uh, in the wintertime. So. But um, Mysteries in the Mist, when I first started my publishing career, I guess, with Beyond the Fray Publishing, I started off with a novel. And the novel was about a black dog, although very fictionalized. And the folks at, at uh, Beyond the Fray asked me, well, you seem to know an awful lot about these critters. So could you actually write like a nonfiction book about black dogs? And so I thought, well, sure. You know, <laughs> I did tons of research on on it before I started the, the novel. And uh, I did more research when I went to do the, the nonfiction part of it. And, um, you know, we ended up with Phantom Black Dogs, Walkers in the Liminal Way, which is my first nonfiction uh, foray. While I was doing the research for that book, um, there are a couple of really good um, fog stories, mist stories. Um, my favorite of which is one of the, the Phantom Black Dogs. Most people think of, for people who don't know what a Phantom Black Dog is, let me back up, um, Usually it's an apparition that is of a large black dog, often with self-illuminating eyes, um, that a lot of people in the paranormal think is a, an omen of death. Mm -hmm. um, I discovered in my research that while that is sometimes true, there's also another side to the black dog in that it acts as a, a guardian. Um, and in this particular uh, story, um, this individual uh, who was, if I recall, um, one of the original editors of the Oxford English Dictionary was on holiday with his family in the mountains in, in the UK. And they decided to take a hike. Um, they were walking, uh, walking along and as happens in, in the UK frequently, they got socked in with, with fog and mist. Um, this gentleman I don't know if he just was not wilderness savvy or if he was just hard headed, uh, decided that he was going to go on and, and continue along the way that he thought he should be going. And this dog appears out of nowhere and obstructs his path and will not let him pass. He tries to go around it. Um, and it, it just simply, it actually contacted him and, and would, would, you know, make him stop. Um, he couldn't understand the behavior of this animal until the fog started to clear. And as the fog cleared, so did the dog. <laughs> it just disappeared. Oh, wow. But he realized, he realized that if he had continued going the way he was going, if this dog had not interfered, he would have walked right off a cliff. So, Whoa. <laughs> um, yeah, so Phantom Black Dog and its guardian aspect. So I thought, this is a great story, you know? And there, there, was, there were a couple of others that had, had fog in them. And I, I got to thinking, I said, like, you know, I'd been reading Joshua Cutchin and all those wonderful books about, uh, you know, smells and the paranormal and, and all that sort of thing. I said, I wonder if, 
And I'd also been talking to another podcaster about his list of uh, signs of a paranormal incursion, basically. Mm-hmm. I, said, I wonder. I wonder if this mist, fog, and cloud thing ought to be on that list. Yeah, and that's what got me started on this research. And you know, as I said, this book went way down the rabbit hole. I I found instances of mist and fog and clouds, and you know, encrypted stories and UFO stories, and you know, the abduction scenarios in. Uh, you know, encounters with the Fae, uh, you know, and on and on. And then there's a whole section at the back of the book that is just, uh, that I just titled Mysterious Mist because there's all kinds of weird phenomena that is associated with these mists and fogs and clouds um, that is not easy to categorize. So, you know, uh, as I say, that's how I got started on the book. And it uh, sounds like... Uh, you guys have some questions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Both Mike and I have got stories. Well, I have a quest I have a question for you, Morgan. Oh. Yeah, I want to know if uh, uh if your friend Snoopy ever appears out of mist. Okay, so this is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so I've we haven't noticed a connection between the the dogmen directly and the fog. We've seen them without it. Um, but I have a story that's kind of in around that genre that I'm going to kind of put on the table here for everybody because, and I I mentioned it briefly in another show, but it bears repeating because I've had, and I will confess, long time in the parapsychology field, I've had very little fog experiences, but when I had one, it was really, it was big. So this actually happened last month and it was myself and three friends of mine and we were given a tip about some paranormal activity dogman related um that was west of uh edmonton where i live and, and it was quite far west of edmonton but we were kind of given given this this tip about it so the one night we're like okay let's you know we're gonna drive out and see what what there there is there so we drove and drove and drove and drove and when we got closer to the area that this this activity was supposed to be, this dense fog, and I mean like it was it was so thick you couldn't see more than two feet from your window in the car. And we're driving. If you picture it, it's it's pitch black outside. It's nighttime. This is at, this is Alberta, so it's kind of prairie and woods. And we had woods on either side of the car, and we're driving down these these streets. And then what we would notice is that there would be fog on, like we'd hit a crossroads, there would be fog on one street and not fog on the other street. And we're like, okay, you know what? We're going to, let's follow the fog. Oh, cool. Let's just follow the fog. Yeah. So we, we went towards the fog. Down we went, down we went, down we went. And then we'd hit another turn. Well, which way do we turn? Well, wait a minute. And then we'd see, and this was interesting, we would have the fog begin to show up on one street and not the other, as soon as we would ask that question. And so we were like, follow the fog. So off we went, we've turned down that way. Long story short, after quite a while of this, we ended up stopping on the side of this road and we pulled over country road. Fog is still super thick. We get out of the truck and cause some, something just told us just, just stop, just pull over and just stop. Call it a gut feeling, call it whatever. We get out, there's nothing around us other than field and the fog starts to clear. Like it just, it lifts and across the road from us. And like, I, I still to this day, I'm going, what in the heck happened when I repeat this in my brain? But we saw this bright, bright light shining through the trees. Like, and I mean bright, like, like if you put spotlights, like LED spotlights, coming through the trees and we're staring at this trying to figure out what we're looking at like what is this we can't see it clearly it's kind of obstructed and whatnot and then we noticed that something was moving that was backlit in front of these lights and all four of us were like there was this moment where we're kind of swallowed our heart a little bit because we're like okay what are we looking at like something's there something's actually there and we can't make out the detail because this light's so bright and 
at first I was wondering, I'm like, is this, is this one of the dogmen that we've seen before? And I'm looking at this thing. And the more I'm looking at its silhouette, I was like, that's not what this is. Like I've seen them a bunch of times. That's not what I'm looking at. I said, everybody get back in the truck. I said, get back in the truck, lock the doors. We can observe from behind a windshield. So we get back in the truck and we're watching this thing. And we saw this, this weird figure, which was very, very, very thin in front of this, this bright light. And the light all of a sudden completely disappeared. We were left in total dark. The fog came back. And when we turned the truck to see, like to turn the headlights on where we saw this thing, all we saw was a wall. There was no dense brush. There was nothing. It was like, a, it was like part of a, a slab of, of earth. And I still have no idea what in the hell this was. Like, it was so strange. All four of us saw it. We got back in the truck. We, we left because, I mean, there was nothing else happened. And what was so weird was that when we hit the highway, as we're coming back up to Edmonton, there's these, these lights, these brand new lights that are like right over the highway. The fog came back. And as we're going under these street lights, the street lights start blinking as we're going underneath of them mm-hmm. all the way up the highway. And it was the strangest thing. So that's my fog story. Wow. But it was like, yeah, it was like absolutely bizarre. And we were just kind of left going, what did we just experience? But yeah, anyway, I'm going to, Travis. <laughs> so if you, yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the book, you will see, and I know you guys have, uh, you will see numerous um, instances where, it almost seems as if these fogs have a sentience of their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you know, cause you know, the, the fog it's like the circumstance that you're talking about where, you know, the fog created something for you to follow. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's also not unheard of for the fog to follow somebody. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, or, you know, for people to be in, in the way when the fog comes through, but the fog has a very distinct, delineated uh, outline to it, uh, which is what you were describing there, Morgan. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, you know, so I mean, when I went on the speaking tour for this the first time for this book, I was like, if you see a fog or a cloud or a mist that is acting unnaturally, or if it's a funny color, stay the hell away from it because right. you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. You know, there are stories in my book about people going into these into these clouds and ending up somewhere else. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and like, and that's what kind of makes you know. Mike and I were talking about this before. It kind of makes us wonder, like, you know, is this is this indicative of of some sort of different reality? Like, is this how our brains are is translating? some sort of like meridian between, I don't know. Like it's, yeah. it's bizarre. I mean, well, you know, I mean, the one thing that you can say about the paranormal is that you don't know, just yeah. don't know. Yeah. You know, now, yeah, I'm listening to this and being the good little animist that I am, I'm thinking to myself, well, hell you had a Faye encounter, <laughs> you know, um, you yeah, know, the yeah, skinny yeah. dude in front of the bright light. I mean, that's, that's classic right out of the, you mm-hmm. know, right out of, any number of different uh, sources for Celtic fairy lore. Um, you know, the ufologist, of course, would be like, oh, oh, it was a UFO and you were seeing aliens, you know. Um, and, and other people, you know, the, the, the scientific materialist would be trying to, to persuade you that you just saw a dude standing in front of an arc light. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think the thing that we can say without uh, you know, without too much difficulty in these cases, in a lot of these cases, you know, it seems like these guys, these fog encounters kind of divide themselves into a couple of different uh, um, segments. One where you have a natural fog, you know, something that you would expect to see, like, you know, coming off water or whatever. And whatever it is that people see uh, is using it for concealment. And, and I think that, that we see that a good bit in dogman encounters, for instance. Mm-hmm. But there are these other fogs. And when you encounter one of these things, there's no telling what's going to happen. 
um, something may come out of it. Or, you know, if you end up in it, you may end up someplace you don't want to be. Um, there's a, a, a story in the book about uh, a fellow, uh, I think he was up in Yellowknife. Um, seems like he was a professor or somebody, uh, pro- or a prospector, maybe he was a prospector, up in Yellowknife who encountered this strange cylindrical fog. And, you know, either being very adventurous or not being very smart, he walks into this thing. No, no. And he goes <laughs> from being he goes from being in a uh, a riverbed, basically a dry riverbed, you know, with stones and all that sort of thing, to standing in knee high grass. And he's like, "What the heck?" So he starts walking along in this area beyond the fog, and he comes to a, a pond or a lake and uh, encounters two beings uh, who were dressed in robes and kind of spooky looking and he decides, Hey, you know, maybe I better go back where I came from. So he tries to go back and has a lot of difficulty finding his way back out of this fog. And, uh, you know, I think he was probably one of the lucky ones. Um, you know, yeah. uh, everybody's like, Oh, missing 411, you know, people myster- mysteriously disappearing in the wilderness and blah, blah, blah. And then in the same breath are talking about, Oh, and the weather went nuts. When these things happen. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and. Oh, that's interesting. And well, you're di- the, the, you talk about time slips and dinosaurs too. Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> which is like the time slip thing is really fascinating to me, which is why I posed the question about this being some sort of like a, like a different reality or like, yeah. is this some sort of wormhole? I mean, like what I, the absolutely. heck? Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely think that these fogs are some kind of a, uh, a, a portal or entrance or, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, a cross cut to another dimension. Um, what I call the other world for, for one of a you know, better word, um, you know, which actually encompasses a whole lot of stuff. Um, you know, if you, if you follow a kind of an animistic viewpoint, if we live in a, a vast ecosystem of, of, of beings that are uh, both physical, you know, physically embodied and not, um, then those beings live somewhere. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. then you may be seeing this fog as it may be the interpretation that we have of an entrance into, you know, one of these other worlds or one of these places where the the non-corporeal live. Yeah. And the interesting idea uh, and one that I've encountered in, you know, talking to a number of, of you know, magical practitioners is that and shamanic practitioners is the idea that some of those beings can come through those portals, gather what uh, what's been called etheric essence or whatever to themselves, and actually form a solid form, um, which would explain a whole lot of stuff that we see out there, woods and such. Um, and you know, it's kind of something that I'm going to go into in my next book. But um, yeah, so. I do feel like, you know, particularly with some of the weird crap that I have at the end of the book, um, you know, with, with, uh, you know, uh, people flying into these things and, and, uh, you know, their instruments going wild and all that sort of thing. Uh, I really do feel like these fogs, these clouds are, uh, entrances if you want, or portals to another world. Um, and I think that's probably what you saw. I don't have anything that interesting to, <laughs> to talk about. I mean, I grew up in Nova Scotia, so I'm very, very, very familiar with oh, fog. Yeah. My my experiences with fog, the one in particular that I can remember that was very um, memorable, I mean, I've had a, a number of memorable experiences, but um, a friend of mine and I decided we would go to this place called Indian Island, which is off... Uh, uh, a couple of the beaches in Nova Scotia, and it's the f- the last island you get to before you hit the Atlantic Ocean. And as we're going, uh, we see this big bank of fog rolling in, and we end up in the fog. We're in a tiny little uh, open aluminum boat, 9.9 horsepower, and like we don't know where we're going. We're also drunk, which is not a probably not a good thing. <laughs> So yeah, not a good thing. 
No, but like we don't know where we're going. And funnily enough, um, we we just my friend's driving, and he just said, you know, we're in the fog, and he said, well, something tells me I should go this way, and he starts, you know, just heading. I mean, we could have ended up in the mid Atlantic somewhere for all <laughs> all we know, but um, we come across this buoy, and it says Indian Island. So it's one of the buoys that marks Indian Island. Like, we had no idea where we were. We followed the shore for a while, but Indian Island is far out enough that you could miss it. So we hit the we hit the buoy, and I said, well, where do we go from here? And he says, well, I think we go this way. And so we started in the direction that he had the feeling we should go in, and sure enough, here's Indian Island. And Indian Island is this little tiny island with nothing on it. Essentially, it's rocks and a few trees, and it's the place where trash gathers from the Atlantic, essentially. So there's fishing nets and lobster traps and all that kind of stuff. And, like, we didn't have a compass. We had none of that stuff. We just found this island, pulled up just like it was nothing, walked around the island, had a great time, and headed back. And it was as though the fog was sort of taking care of us. It was very, very strange and just shot us out uh, uh, exactly where we needed to be. But it was dense, dense fog. Like you couldn't see six feet in front and six feet in front of you. And and, that's uh, what I experienced too. But I'm out out in the middle of the Atlantic in a, a, you know, an 11 foot boat with a (laughs) 9.9 horsepower. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So there, I had my fog experiences have all been kind of positive in that way. It's all always felt like, like you mentioned, the fog has its own sentience, and I felt that. Like it's like it was just taking care of these two crazy drunk guys out <laughs> out on the water, kind of thing. <laughs> well, well, that uh, being said, with these, these strange encounters, because Mike, I think like you and I, we were we were really fortunate where we had positive things go on but there there's another aspect of this travis that you talked about in your book which is the oz effect and that feeling of some people feel absolute and utter terror like bone chilling gut wrenching i need my mommy (laughs) (laughs) terror that comes with with this stuff can you talk about the oz effect a little bit well sure um now the oz effect is not something that i thought up um a UFO re- researcher in, in the UK named Jenny Randalls actually coined the phrase. Um, and she coined the phrase as a result of an investigation that she went on where um, she was, I believe it was an industrial building, and there were two security guards in this building. And uh, one of the guards in the building had this absolutely astounding UFO experience. And the other one who was, you know, a few hundred feet away saw absolutely nothing. And when she investigated through the neighborhood, she figuring, you know, I mean, this guy saw this great big structured craft and lights and all this stuff, right? She figured that somebody in the neighborhood had to have seen it, right? Nothing. Um, but what she noticed was as she, you know, and this kind of stuck with her, what she noticed as she went along was that um, there were certain uh, features that appeared um, frequently with witnesses. In her case, she was talking about UFOs, but um, paranormal researchers have uh, kind of cross-correlated that to a lot of other different phenomena. One of those effects is that... um, uh, that silence that falls where all of the outside noises seem to, mm-hmm. to fall away. Um, yeah. I've had this happen to me out in the Superstition Mountains in Arizona. Um, and it's spooky. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. Where yeah. You just walk into this cone of silence and there's nothing. <laughs> there's, you know, there's no bunnies hopping. There's no birds singing. There's no nothing. And it actually seems almost like it gets darker. Um, mm-hmm. So the silence is, is one of the outstanding things. Um, she also mentions the idea that a lot of the, the folks that had these experiences also had a sort of a, a precognition that something was going to happen. Um, 
you know, a tingling, uh, you know, that, that feeling that you get that something's going on, uh, that kind of a, a, of a thing goes along with the Oz effect. And it usually happens just directly before. And you see this with, you know, everything from Sasquatch sightings to, uh, you know, other monsters that people have seen where, you know, they're walking yeah, along and suddenly the they have that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, cause again, this is a, a, a creature that is different. <laughs> it's just different. <laughs> and so it's going to create that. Mm. I, I think it's a, personally, I kind of think that it may be uh, a result of, you know, our evolutionary, uh, standpoint back in you know back in the day when when we were the hunted um and you know where before we had our nice buildings and and uh, things that you know keep things out and and keep the you know the the saber-toothed tigers from eating us or whatever um that human beings developed a sort of a sense for uh when there was something dangerous or something different or uh, off kilter nearby um, and so I think that's kind of what happens with people uh, is that they have that feeling suddenly that something's going on. Something's not quite right. Something is, um, is, is out of whack um, is mm-hmm. probably the best word for it. The third big feature of the Oz effect <clears throat> and something that we see a lot in other, uh, you know, besides par- uh, UFO things, other paranormal events is, uh, uh, issues with time. Um, and in this case, uh, you know, it may be missing time. Um, it may be that time doesn't progress at the rate we think it should, (laughs) or it may progress a whole lot faster than we think it should. Um, classic story. This is one from the book. Uh, these two guys in Finland were, were out on a lake fishing and, um, they became cognizant and they became cognizant of a, a sort of a black cloud uh, that kind of came down and uh, surrounded them. And both of them had the experience of having kind of itchy eyes and they both fell asleep hmm. uh, or that, that was their perception is that they fell asleep. Um, they woke up later um, and their, puzzled because it's much lighter out than it was when they encountered this cloud. And they realized that they had lost something like seven hours um, during during contact with this cloud. The really interesting thing, though, is they were in a boat in the middle of a lake and the boat had not moved at all. Despite the fact that there were strong currents in this lake, they should have drifted to shore or something like something like in that amount of time. They should have drifted either to shore or closer to shore. They had not moved at all from the place where they were. (laughs) So um, it's a good example, though. So, you know, and on the other hand, though, you have people who feel like they've been encountering these clouds for a length of time. And it turns out that it was only minutes. Um, Mm. So the, uh, the Oz effect messes with time, Um, you know, and I would add Morgan that, uh, you know, that, that uh, uh, emotional uh, component, you know, that would be kind of one of the things that I would say uh, is also a part of this is that there's usually a strong emotional component, either, uh, either a component of terror, um, as you pointed out, Sometimes, though, people experience just the opposite. They have these very euphoric experiences. And you're like, okay, what's up with wow. that? You know, maybe their energy resonated better with whatever it was than these other people. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you. But, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the Oz effect in a, in a, in a, in a, a nutshell. Um, <clears throat> Randall's went on to write, you know, a number of books um, and one of the ones that I refer to frequently in, in uh, Mysteries in the Mist is called Time Storms. And if you've not ever read this book, I, I recommend it to anybody out there who's interested in this sort of thing. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. There is some really crazy stuff in that book. Well, and you mentioned, too, like just the, the 
prolific amount of phenomenon that has been surrounding this this fog phenomenon and like you know we've even heard it as far back as as the first nations people where they would say uh, things like uh, sasquatch hunts in the fog it comes with the fog you you know you don't want to be outside when the fog rolls in because this is when you know predators come out and you know they they use it as something to conceal themselves and i think it was jacques Vallée that actually suggested it can be an offensive tactic sure. as well so even even he's been involved in his study in in his own studies with with this phenomenon which i found really interesting because it's like it's it's so easy to dismiss these encounters as you know well the fog is spooky and we get spooked when there's fog and you know that's old superstition and and things like that but but this is different this is this falls into a, a different category can can you talk up a little bit about what jacques Vallée said about this oh honestly i i'm I'm drawing a blank on that one. But oh, that's okay. I know that's okay. I know that, we'll uh, I know that, that we quoted the story in the book, but I can't remember what the story was. That's all right. Um, yeah, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll skip it. One of the things um, that I would point out, though, you know, if you're talking about, you know, using the fog as a sort of an offensive um, uh, idea or a, an offensive measure, you know, again, I point out that a lot of your dogman encounters, um, you know, when you talk about Linda Godfrey's uh, Beast of Bray Road, for instance, um, there is, excuse me, I'm having trouble with my throat tonight. Um, there is a, um, there, are so, there are a couple of three stories in, in that book and some of her other books about the, the dogman uh, phenomena where these creatures appear out of the fog. Uh, one of the original uh, stories. Uh, a young woman who was, uh, you know, finished driving somebody home. I think it was actually Halloween night. <clears throat> and um, uh, she was uh, driving down uh, Bray Road, um, intense fog. I think it was Linda Polizzi, if I remember correctly. Intense fog and thought she hit something. So she stops. Um, and gets out of the car because she's afraid she's hit somebody's dog or something. Um, which oh, oh is not my too God. far off the mark. Wow. She, that... <laughs> she gets you can't write that. <laughs> yeah, you can't write that. Uh, she gets out of the car and she's horrified to see this six foot tall bipedal dog creature running at her. Um, and of course, she, she, you know, out of the fog. Uh, so, of course, she jumps back in the car, takes off and, you know, had, uh, if I remember right, she had scratch marks down the side of the car where this thing had, 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 had been reaching at her. Um, oh, wow. But there are, you know, more than one of these stories where these creatures seem to actually, there's another one uh, in, in uh, I forget which one of Godfrey's books it was. I think it might be Monsters Among Us, um, where this woman is driving to work one morning. And this thing jumps on the hood of her car out of the fog. Of course, scares the jabbers out of us, out of her, and she ends up back at work. And she's like, "Oh, I saw this thing. It's real, you know." Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it actually jumped on the hood of the car, and she got a good look at it before it jumped off the hood of the car. And it's like, you know, and, and your scientific materialist is going to be all like, "Well, she encountered some form of wildlife out there." It's like, yeah. Right. I don't know of any bear or coyote or, or even a wolf that will jump on the hood of your car. Um, yeah. That's just not something they do. You know, they go around them. They go, you know, they do whatever they can to avoid vehicles on, on most occasions. Um, this thing bipedal jumps from the side of the road out of the fog, lands on the hood of her car, kind of looks at her and then, scoots off you know in, in whatever direction it was going so you get this feeling that you know your your dog man for one of a better word I, I really don't like that term but you know it's gotten to be such common use that uh, yeah you know i mean you either got to call it a dog man or a werewolf um and i'm not sure <laughs> exactly which, and the werewolf I'm doesn't fit sure. either no yeah. the werewolf doesn't fit either um but it seems like these creatures might be ambush predators. 
Um, and mm-hmm. they use the fog or cornfields, another classic thing that, that dogmen are always appearing out of, right? Um, they use these um, uh, fog, they use this fog, natural fog, as cover um, so that they can get close to whatever it is they're trying to get close to. So oh, um, just a, an interesting little aside there. Yeah. I mean, well, it, in case, you're, it in case you're not creeped out by fog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, this will be your Halloween episode, you. right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny. It, it's funny too that that you bring that up because I know I know for myself with the the dogman encounters that I've had, they've often used whatever obstruction that they can to also keep their distance because they seem to be rather shy. And I've noticed that as well, where at, at least the ones that I've had the the privilege of encountering over the years is that tend to put themselves they put things between you and them mm-hmm. and they tend to not get too close like it takes a lot to get even remotely close to them and i i i often wonder that as well whether you know maybe this is something like this is a bit of a barrier like if, if we can't see through it then it we can't see them mm-hmm. you know and and but then on the other hand you go to cases you know like the beast of bray road and things like that and there's in encounters and i had this happened to myself as well where one of them has you know come so close or whichever and we've seen it disappear into smoke mm-hmm. fog mist smoke something like that where it's yeah. just gone <laughs> and so that's that's an interesting idea as well that you know maybe you know like we were saying at the beginning this consciousness this that where this fog does have some semblance of consciousness and that these are a part of it. Maybe, maybe there's there is no separation between the fog and, and this consciousness. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just throwing stuff. That's out entirely there. possible. Yeah, I mean, um, I've, I've talked a little bit at the end of the book I'm working on right now about this idea of tricksters, and you know, it mm-hmm. may be that the oh. fog is a is a form that this that the that the trickster takes and it, it pulls something out of the fog to to get a rise out of people. Um, that's as good a theory as any. Um, one of the things I'd point out, though, is that, uh, you know, the the uh, spirit creatures that are most commonly associated with fog, other than ghosts, um, are fairy. Um, you know, and they have, you know, the thing that you're describing is exactly what folklore tells us happens when, you know, you get too close to a fairy that doesn't want to be close to you. They disappear in a puff That's of smoke. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, so, and, and for the audience too, yeah. like the if fairy isn't necessarily like Tink, you know, you're not necessarily talk- exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're not talking about Tinkerbell, but but for something maybe people, you can like define that a little bit. Yeah, for all those people out there who have that that image in their mind of of Tinkerbell, um, I recommend you to the works of Morgan Daimler, <laughs> who will quickly dissuade you <laughs> of this idea. <laughs> um, in my I wouldn't say area of expertise, but my uh, the thing that I have most knowledge about is Celtic fairy lore. And in the Celtic lore, um, the fae, the fairy, can be almost any size, um, uh, but may frequently be seen as human size or a little smaller. Um, it seems that there is a race of spiritual beings that has interacted with human beings for time immemorial. Um, that have been recognized by human beings up until we got this boneheaded scientific materialism thing in our head and decided they weren't real anymore. Um, But, you know, up until, you know, the early 20th century, you had people who, uh, you know, were engaged in uh, uh, behaviors which helped them to live uh, a harmonious life with what some people call the good neighbors or whatever. Um, the fair folk, the good people, uh, you know, you'll notice there's a, a theme there, you know, always talk nice about the fairies because you never know when they're listening. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but in this particular, if you study fairy lore at all, you'll quickly discover, um, if you look at something like Catherine Briggs' uh, diction, fairy dictionaries or The Vanishing People or some of these other uh, folklore books out there, there are a vast variety of fairy beings that have been categorized 
and that doesn't even count the ones that haven't been categorized. Um, I, I actually made a, uh, in, in my, my fiction work, um, actually proposed that Sasquatch was a wild fae, um, which is I've heard know, that. entirely possible. I've heard that. It's mm-hmm. entirely possible, um, you know, because it seems like this being has the ability to, to walk between worlds, right? Because um, you have these footprint, uh, you know, uh, lines of footprints that disappear in the middle of fields and all that fun stuff. And so either Sasquatch has learned to fly or, um, you know, they're, they're just walking from one side to the other. Uh, but yeah. again, no, it more, makes, on, it that, makes more sense. on that in my next book. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I just find it so, uh, it's, it's so interesting to me that, and Mike, like we, we've talked about this in past episodes, actually it was the last episode we were, we were talking about this idea that all of this phenomenon is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this in some way is another piece of that puzzle. And I don't know what to make yeah. of it at this point, but it's, it's one of these things where, you know, you see these, these sort of common connectors throughout these different encounters you know whether it be cryptids like ghost ships uh you know the fae like you were saying um uh time slips ufos dog men all all of these (laughs) yeah yeah. like it's so interesting and you know even people that have said they've had they've had uh alien encounters and, and things like that like all of these different things and this this fog type substance you know whatever it is uh you know seems to have this i don't know it's like this interconnecting mesh between everything mm-hmm. and like i know uh we we you'd mentioned it a little bit ago uh the idea of elect this electric fog which has become something that's been more prevalent as well where people are actually noticing that this fog is electrically charged oh, which yeah. i thought was really fascinating a couple of stories in the book where people have gone to approach one of these uh, strange mists and actually had the like uh, walking into a static electricity generator had the hair just stand up all over their body um and then they would step out of the the zone of influence for this thing and everything would settle back down yeah <laughs> so. see i've had that happen in in certain haunting cases mm-hmm. that i've investigated where i'll like walk into a space and it's not necessarily that i'm seeing fog but mm-hmm. i step into like a certain section of the house like say the dining room and you just and usually at that point something in the room has moved on its own like a table or mm-hmm. like something's moved some there's been some sort of like con- psychokinetic activity that's gone on but it's it's like you're yeah like you're stepping into like a, a electric field of some sort where it's mm-hmm. like the hairs on your arms are standing up it's tingling you feel almost like when you you know rub a balloon really fast and then stick it to your head and you feel that sort of tingling sensation yeah right and it, it's really strange like and 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 that seems to be what people are describing with this as well yeah and absolutely the the story that pops into my mind right now is a young woman who's driving down a highway in in the uk um i think this might be a jenny randall story actually um and she sees off to the side of the road this bizarre uh, sort of oval-shaped fog, you know, just like shaped in the, you know, I always visualize the Eye of Sauron from, <laughs> from yeah. Lord of the Ring movies, you know, kind, right. of that, yeah. kind of that idea, right? Um, so she's curious, of course. Um, she pulls her car over the side of the road and she walks across the field toward this thing. Um, and she gets within, I don't know what the range was, but she gets within a certain distance of this thing. And that happens. Every hair on her body stands on end. She says it felt like she walked into a static electricity generator. Um, she's like, well, maybe I shouldn't get too close to this thing. So she backs up and she backs out of the zone. Everything becomes normal. Well, then she mm-hmm. plays with it a little bit. She goes back in, she comes back out, you know, and, and, and until this thing actually dissipates, there's that, that field of static electricity um, that seemed to, to gather around that. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, my caution to people is if you encounter one of these things and you walk into a zone of influence like that, it's probably a good idea to walk back out. Right. Um, <laughs> because you really don't know where you're going to end up. Yeah. Um, I, I had, there's a story in the book where, um, 
uh, you know, South America seems to have a lot of weird things happen. Um, a couple who were driving down the road, I believe that, uh, I believe he was a physician, if I remember correctly. Um, a couple driving down the road in Brazil. Um, they encounter one of these clouds and uh, drive into it. And the next thing they know, they're in Mexico. What? And they have no idea how they got there. I'm good with that. We're going on a little vacation out of the, <laughs> out of the farm. Okay, where can I yeah, get one of these? Several <laughs> hundred kilometers. You know, and additionally, if I recall, they had some missing time. They lost like a week of time or something like that. Oh, that's no really, fun. It, no, that's, that's no fun. But they ended up in Mexico. There's another story in the book where this gentleman is businessman. Again, this is in Brazil. I think it's in the Bahia Blancas uh, area of, of Brazil. Um, walks out to his toward his new car, uh, which is sitting and idling in, in the driveway area of this hotel that he's staying in. This cloud appears around his car. He walks into the cloud and... He thinks he loses consciousness. He comes to in the middle of a field. He's like, where the heck am I? So he walks out to a road and he flags down a trucker and, uh, and asks for a ride to the nearest authorities, right? So they take him into, um, this trucker takes him into a village and, and to the police station. Um, and he asks where he is. And he's several hundred kilometers, again, away from where he started. Uh, not quite as far as Brazil to Mexico, but I, he's somewhere across Brazil, Saltillo or someplace like that, if I remember right. Um, now, the cops, of course, think he's, you know, nutty as a fruitcake. Um, so they call the hotel. And the hotel manager goes out to the front driveway and finds this man's car sitting in the driveway still running what he's only been gone for like seven minutes and he's been transported several hundred kilometers away okay oh <laughs> my god and it's uh. not just brazil this happens in and uh, there's a, a disappearance story from japan where these three business executives are going off to play golf one day um, they're driving down the road and up in front of them is this white Nissan that's been kind of in front of them for the whole way that they've been going. They're driving along. They see this car go into a cloud that sinks down onto the freeway. It drives into the cloud and doesn't come back out. <laughs> it disappears completely right in front of them. So, well, I feel if like you just opened up a massive can of worms. <laughs> yeah, if you encounter one of these weird fogs, please stay away from it. Because, <laughs> you know, you could disappear. You could end up someplace you don't want to be. You know, uh, you could end up like Michael Swartz in the one story where you end up in some alternate reality with weird people in hoods. Um, oh, man. You know, I, I've, you know, after writing this book, I became more than convinced that a lot of these mysterious disappearances that people are, are talking about are, are the results of encounters with these clouds. Because uh, we don't know where they go. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's some kind of a portal. It's some kind of an opening to somewhere, but we don't know where it goes. You could end up in, you know, some place that's, you know, populated by carnivorous dinosaurs or something. <laughs> you know, there's no telling. It's just... It's just absolutely wild. And I feel like we could be talking about this for like another two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and we've couldn't. run out of time, which is, oh, yeah, no. which is yeah disappointing because I'm not done. Um, so that, that means happens. you're coming back. Yeah, we're going to have to have you back again. Yes, yeah. I'll have to. Yeah. Gosh, twist my arm. <laughs> well, well, you don't have a choice now because we still have more questions. We have more questions. <laughs> We have more questions because this is, it's so You're interesting. You're going to have to send me a like, list so, so I can, you know, like that. Yeah. I'm going to have to send you a list. We're, we're going to end up doing that. But uh, Travis, thank you so much. And oh, you're please, everybody, welcome. go out and buy his book. Yeah, the book again is Mysteries in the Mist, Mist, Fog, and Clouds in the Paranormal. And uh, Travis writes as W.T. Watson.
and it's phenomenal it's it's so fascinating so thank you so much for being here and and entertaining all of this because it's just it's it's so bizarre and it's worth it's worth discussing so thank you again so much if you don't have a high tolerance for mystery um, paranormal stuff is not where you need to be yeah right 100 <laughs> percent. thank you travis you're very welcome thank you when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Okay, so that was another great conversation with Travis. What a, you know, we have the best guests on this show. We really do. Like I look at some of the the other shows and I think, well, they haven't talked to this person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so snobby. Oh, I don't want to be elitist or whatever, but yeah, we we have fun. We're just very very blessed. We're lucky people to yeah. uh, be able to talk to the people that we do. We we are, and I, I think the the amount of knowledge they have and the level of of insight and kindness and thoughtfulness that they have is always striking to me as well. Like I always thoroughly enjoy talking with them, and I feel enriched when I leave the conversation. And this was definitely no different because I <laughs> I don't know if I'm any closer to understanding my strange fog story but right yeah <laughs> however um it was it, it is enlightening to know that this type of thing happens regu almost regularly around the world and yeah. you know in in different contexts and it, like every show we do i now have 20 more questions on my list yeah well <laughs> it's uh, and that's the what that's what i like to leave people with is like okay let's go away and think about this some more well, yeah. that's the fun part to me about about this, right? Is that as as long as you're leaving with more questions rather than a shut down mind, mm -hmm. I think that really is the key. And especially with something like this, where it's so easy to write experiences like anomalous fog off as well, it's just the weather, or or your you know, mind's playing tricks. Uh, on yeah, you. yeah, your mind's yeah. playing tricks on you. You're freaking yourself out. It's foggy mm -hmm. out. You know, so on and so forth. And I think. If you can walk away going, well, wait a minute, maybe there's something to this. If if every culture has some semblance of story around mm -hmm. this, maybe that there, there, there's something to it. And it harkens back to the wonderful interview we did with uh, Dr. Lynn McNeil about the Jersey Devil, mm -hmm. where she said, you know, folklore can be true, it can be false, but it always gets something right. Mm -hmm. And that is where this leaves me, is that you get to sort through these experiences and go, okay, what, what exactly happened here? And let's weigh them in, uh, in a, a thoughtful manner. Well, there you go. So thank you, dear listeners, for joining us on this eerie expedition. And remember, the line between the natural and the supernatural is often a thin one. Until next time, stay curious, friends, and happy Halloween. Boo. <laughs> Supernatural Circumstances is a co-production of Entity Seeker Paranormal Research and Teachings and Good Egg Studios. This podcast is part of the Curious Cast Podcast Network. Theme music by Corey Johnson of Catalyst Records in Edmonton, Alberta. You can learn more about Morgan Knudsen at EntitySeeker.ca 
and learn more about me, Mike Brown, and listen to my show, Dark Poutine, at darkpoutine.com. Feel free to email the show at supernaturalcircumstances at gmail.com.